Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Move, a podcast which is hosted by me, Jamie Lang, and my business partner, Ed Williams. Now, in 2012, Ed and I founded our confectionery business, Candy Kittens, a business which I'd actually dreamed of having ever since I was six years old. And honestly, we wouldn't have achieved half of what we've been able to without all the amazing tips and advice we picked up along the way. Move stands for Motivation, Opportunity, Vision, Entrepreneurship. And each episode of the podcast, we're bringing you the stories of founders, innovative thinkers, entrepreneurs and winners who show us all what's possible with hard work and focus. So whatever you're moving towards, we hope today's guests will open your eyes to what you can achieve. This is Move. Okay, Jamie, who are we chatting to today? Buddy, very excited. Michelle Kennedy. Now, Michelle Kennedy, an amazing, inspiring woman. She uh, grew up in Peterborough, ballerina. Um, she then became a lawyer and worked for a company called Badoo. Now, Badoo was one of the biggest kind of dating websites out there. Like, yeah, I think yeah, they had something like 50-odd million uh, users. You were on there, no? Uh, I was not on there. No, sure? it was 2010, my friend. Ah, okay, okay. <laughs> she then went on to uh, be on the board of Bumble, um, which you know Bumble very well, I'm sure. Probably oh, used yeah. it a lot, didn't you? <laughs> and then she uh, has now set up her brand new app called Peanut. Now, Peanut is this amazing app, which is basically, uh, it basically aims to break the stigma around motherhood and help women just like herself to make meaningful connections based on common values and interests. Now, she started it because when she felt, when she she had her son Finn she felt very isolated she felt very alone she felt like she had no connections with anyone around her so this inspired her to start Peanut a awesome. fascinating woman uh, very excited to meet her today Ed you're gonna like this can't wait let's go do it here we go Michelle Kennedy enjoy Michelle Kennedy, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, very good. Do you know what was so nice uh, about seeing you this morning is that you walked in, you look so summery. Oh, do I? Yeah. It's quite summery outside. It is, actually. Sun is shining. I'm feeling quite summery. Do you feel very summery? You look quite wintry, actually. Well, I've annoyingly, I've worn a jumper, which is fine, but it's like a cashmere jumper. And so the problem is, is that you then start to sweat. Yeah, I had that yesterday. You did? I learned that lesson yesterday. Speaking to an investor in a huge roll neck. A lot of sweat. A lot of kind of uncomfortable tugging on the. Wait, on the was it? Neck. Were you sweating because you were talking to an investor, or it was hot? Both, and and then and also I was trying not to like take the jumper off, and also I'm pregnant, and I was trying to hide the belly so it didn't look too like pregnant. So all in all, it was an awkward outfit. So today I've gone loose light shirt. Can I say I had no? You look wonderful. I had, Thank you. I had no idea you were pregnant. Thank you very much. Yes. Well, and, but, I am, and this is much. your this is your second child. This is my second one, yeah. So you have Finn. I have Finn. He's and, five. And do you know if this is a boy or a girl? You do. It's don't... a girl. Is it? Yeah, I'm excited. It's a little girl. Did you do one of those things which I think Ed, you'll probably do when you 
have, not when you have a baby, but when your fiancé has a baby, is that you'll probably throw one of those balls up there and hit it with a baseball bat and it will come out pink or blue. Do you know those things? No, I've seen them on Instagram, the, the but I don't do it myself. The baby reveal. It's very American. It's so American. It's very American. I did not do that, no. Okay, Michelle, so... Uh, I want to know, what did you do this morning? What, do you have a daily routine? Do you get up in the morning and have something that you always stick to or not? Um, look, pre-motherhood, no. I was a bit more kind of, you know, let let everything kind of take its own course. Um, but yes, now I wake up 6.30 on the dot, Finn's in the room. Mama, it's morning. Um, and we get ready for school and we, I do the school run and then I get into the office. So it's pretty much Monday to Friday. It's like clockwork. Have to be out the house by 10 to 8. Have to be in the office by 9. It's really interesting because I was thinking about this the other day where um, throughout when we grow up at the beginning of our lives, right, we, we have a routine because our parents, you know, put us into that routine. So we get up in the morning, we change into our clothes, we go to our school, we eat at certain times. And throughout our life, we kind of have that as well. We have a certain routine going on. Um, But then what happens when we get into our 20s and we start sort of either sort of socialising more or doing whatever, that routine kind of goes. So how important is routine, do you think, in a daily life? Do you know, it's a really good point because I think that Routine is something that I have learned now that it's really important when you have a little tiny baby, they love routine, right? And I never really appreciated that at the time. I was always a bit more like, I'm going to be a really cool boho parent and we're just going to go out and eat at restaurants at 10 <laughs> at night sandals. and bring the baby with. And, and, and actually, no, it turned out that I really needed a routine. And so it starts from that very, very young age where you actually aren't aware, but you want to know that there is a consistency to your actions throughout your day. And I think that then that obviously flows through to when you're at school and then into the workplace. There are certain kind of routines that you have to follow. Um, But I think that for that, for the sake of kind of having a feeling of, I know what's happening and I, I appreciate what's happening and I can anticipate it, it is really important when your routine is thrown, you know yourself, you're a bit like, mm, it's a bit like And is that something that you think has been really kind of useful for you in a work life as well? Um, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, it's discipline, right? And, and I, I, I think just that's think the key there is word, something yeah. really important about discipline. I went to ballet when I was younger and it's all about discipline. And then, you know, you, you, I don't know, you take up a hobby, you learn piano and it's about discipline of practice and then... You go to school. So there are certain things about discipline which are really important because they arm you with tools that mean that, you know, as you get older in life, nothing feels too hard. You've already done it. You've already got the discipline behind you. That's important. That's so interesting. So when you were younger and you were doing ballet and things, and, you know, as, you know, I never did ballet, but my my girlfriend did ballet and she said it is, it's it's one of those uh, sports and one of those kind of... um, lines where you really have to be incredibly disciplined and weirdly enough I really think that that nurture kind of way how you are sort of how you are sort of brought up really affects what you are in later life and we're talking about this a little bit before so do you think that ballet and that kind of structure and that kind of intense kind of regime really helped you when it came to the business side of things unquestionably I have a work ethic that I definitely got from my my dad is um He's an electrician, or he was before he retired. And so he would be up at 4 a.m. to go to building site every morning, like 
and it, and that was his routine. And his work ethic was so strong and so disciplined that, of course, like me going to ballet after school on a Wednesday for three hours, so what? Like, that's a discipline. Um, and then after university and I trained to become a lawyer and you're working ridiculous hours. But again, the work ethic is already there because I've seen it around me. I know it takes hard work and, and I wasn't afraid of it. So I do think having that discipline is important. It doesn't mean that when you make a decision later on about what's for you, you can't create your own routine. But it means that if you've had that discipline for me, you don't fear anything. It kind of stands I mean, you in good stead for what's to come. Yeah. Like I'm never scared of hard work. Like what's the worst? Yeah. I'll work hard at it. I might get it wrong. So that, That's so interesting because when I was younger, I was terrible. I was really bad with discipline. I really hated being told what to do. And even though I went to a... And the problem is, I, I think this is the bad thing about boarding school. I went to a boarding school from the age of eight years old. And the problem with that was everything was done for me. I had you know, my bed made for me, I had my laundry done, I was fed at a certain time. And secondly, that I wasn't interested in any of the work that was going on apart from sport. So when I came out of university, I mean, out of school and went to university, the same thing kind of happened, I didn't work. And then my problem came is then when I come into the big bad world, I suddenly had to learn discipline. And, and that is the big, the most fundamental thing that I've had to learn over the past few years, that discipline in life is the most important thing. doesn't matter that that's discipline in seeing your friends or discipline in seeing your family or discipline in doing admin, you know, paying those bills or, or re- replying to the emails. And over the past few years, that's what I've really learned. And poor Ed, at the beginning of our adventure with Candykins, he had to deal with very bad discipline for me where I would turn up late. We had a pop-up shop in, a shop in Bath once and press and everyone there. I turned up two hours late for it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was terrible, wasn't it? You had to deal with these situations at the beginning. Um, but it's so important, that kind of style, style. I think that, why did you decide then to go to university and study law? What was it about law that you loved? So my my mum and dad were really strict, so I should just say that. Like My mum my is from a really big Irish family and um, she kind of came to, to the UK when she was, well, I should say to England. But um, strict in what way? Strict in uh, you work or strict in you can't leave the house and things like that? Yeah, actually kind of both. Like, you work hard. This, this is the expectation I have for you. Someone's having a party, I don't care. You're not whatever her name is, like, so I'm not interested. I didn't have boyfriends when I was younger. You know, it was like I I had a a particularly um, strict upbringing, which at the time I despised her for, of course. Love you, mum. And much later on, I I became much more kind of thankful and appreciative. And I'm not saying it was always the right way, and I think there actually is a middle ground. Um, So... The, the law thing was actually kind of presented to me as no one in my family had been to university at the time. And it was, um, you can be a doctor or an accountant or a lawyer, but you're going to be a, a professional. And there are the options. Mm-hmm. I kind of didn't know any better. I was like... And what did you study at school? What was school like for you? Um, school was... I loved school. Um, I mean, I went to a comprehensive called Jack Hunt and I, all for, of the... For the work? Um, no, for my friends. My friends are still my friends. We all moved down to London together and we've all, we've all kind of gone on to do things, but we're all still, you know, very close. And now it's like that weird thing when 
like the boys that I went to school with are married and having babies and it's so weird for me. Um, so I, I loved that part of my life and um, I worked hard and definitely I went through that period of being the geek. I am a geek, like that's who I am. It's, I'm fine with it now, but it takes you a long time when you're younger. That's like, it's not great. Accepting that it's hard, yeah. Boffin was the word yeah. actually when I was younger. Boffin, oh, she's a boff. Because that is so interesting. I think so many people will uh, resonate with that, with the fact is, you know, to be cool at school is is so accepting that and to 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 the, the interesting thing is I had this quote that I actually live by uh why fit in when we we're born to stand out but everyone wants to fit in so if you're not the cool kid you don't fit in so for you you probably really resented being the geek and things like that but at the same time that's fundamentally helped you in later life for sure now I look back on it, it's the best thing ever, right? But at the time, you're kind of going through that awkward stage and I have braces on my teeth and at the time I was trying to dye my hair blonde and trying to be all these different things I just definitely was not. Um, and not telling anyone that I went to ballet on a Wednesday night because what would they think of me? Like, they were all going to hang out down the shops after school and I was, like, sneaking off home to get in the car to go to ballet. And so all these kind of weird things, which now I'm like... I, I, mean, I can't even believe that I went through that. It's such a weird time to think about. But the the kind of the route that I was going to take was always very kind of laid out for me. And it was just in terms of me getting there and, and achieving and doing it. I suppose what happened post that is that you get to the point where you're doing it and you're not enjoying it. When was that for you? When did you realise that that kind of professional route wasn't the wasn't one? It wasn't me. Um, I mean... <laughs> I realised pretty early on. I was practising, I was doing um, M&A, which is like mergers and acquisitions. So you, so you graduated and so you yeah. still at that point when you graduated were still into it. You oh, kind of bought into the vision. You, That's all. me, I'm a lawyer. I do it all. I'm, I was fully there. I went to law school afterwards. I got my training contract afterwards and I moved to Newcastle and I trained to be a lawyer at the firm in Newcastle called Dickinson Dees and they pay for your... Um, Law school, if you get a training contract, they'll pay for your law school and they'll give you a grant. So I'd done all of that part and it was great and I was going to Newcastle and they were going to pay me £16,000 a year and I was like, wow, um, it's <laughs> mad. And um, I worked hard and, and I, I kind of enjoyed that, but I liked it because I was moving every six months. You move departments. So you like the change of so it. So I like the change because it's like, okay, this is cool. I learned something new, bit of employment, that's interesting, bit of property, not so good, bit of m and Would you say cool. you get kind of bored easily or is it kind of just the change keeping you yeah, going? Yeah, I suppose it's the change because then I get to like become good at it because you start yeah. and you're Oh, so you the like the challenge. challenge of... The challenge of, like, getting good. But Learning something new. Yeah. But that's interesting because you, you grew up in such a regimented kind of lifestyle that, in fact, I would think that change to you would be a scary prospect. And, and in fact, you kind, of, you kind of, like, admire it and sort of congratulate it into your life. Yeah, I think because it was, like, the route to the next. Okay. So it was always like, so I do this and then I get to the next point and then I do this and I get to the next point. But what's so interesting, Michelle, is that this is uh, the whole point of this podcast move is, is the fact that I, there are so many kids and younger uh, people out there who are forced into industries, pr yeah. pr professions, because their parents want them to. They think that's what's successful. Uh, they think they're going to make money from that and that's going to make them happy. And in fact, that's not the case. And uh, I think the biggest advantage that I had uh, was the fact that I was able to discover what I wanted to do, where most people don't have that opportunity. They have to go and work in the local Sainsbury's or they have to mm -hmm. do this job to, 
to earn a living. And I was very lucky to have an allowance by my parents and things like that. Um, and I'm fully open with all of that. Um, but it's interesting for you that you you were one of those people that were kind of forced down this road of going, you're going to be, you're either going to do this job, this job, this job, this job, you're not going to be a ballerina. Yeah. Because you're not going to. Yeah. And I heard this amazing story of this guy, and I think I said this to you before, Ed, this amazing story where a gentleman's wife uh, loved ballet and... Uh, and she was also very sort of distracted at school and all these different things. And uh, her parents were brought in by the teacher and they had a big conversation. The teacher said to the parents, can you come outside the room with me for a second? As they left, he pressed play on the music and they shut the door and she started dancing. And they looked through the window and the teacher said to the parents, your, your daughter's not sick. She is a dancer. She needs to go to dancing Dance school. school. And the parents said, okay, send her to dancing school. She did incredibly well in ballet, Grazer. And then she wrote uh, shows with Lloyd Webber. Now she's a millionaire. That's what he said at the end. And one teacher would have said she's sick. And another teacher said, no, she's a dancer. And it's just the sliding doors, the two different roads you can take. So in another life, perhaps you could have been that dancer. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Yeah, do you know, it's this funny thing where, I mean, that's an amazing story. It gave yeah. me goosebumps, actually. Um, but I think that, for my, certainly for my parents, <clears throat> they were so aware of all the opportunities they had not had, right? From big families or from poor backgrounds or, you know, just just not being able to have opportunity. And so to them, everything was about give Michelle as much opportunity as we can that, she did, that we didn't have. And that meant education. Give her, like, the best opportunity to an education. Give her access to get a profession and she'll be grand she'll be sorted um and you don't know about the other routes at that point i think that's a fear right but what's so interesting and i read i read sounds weird i read a lot of articles about you and uh and one of the things that i found out is that you you did law you came out of law and you then worked as a lawyer for a company that you then went into work for is that correct yeah so um i was doing law in London now, and um, actually, originally, I got a job for IMG doing like their being a lawyer for IMG, and um, I thought that would be cool. It's law, but it's like cool law because it's like models and stuff. So that would be great. That I really enjoy that. Still obsessed with being cool, right? Really needed <laughs> to be cool. How do I fit in? How can I be cool? Go and be like a model, a model lawyer. Um, weird. And I remember telling my head of department at the time, I'm going to go and work for IMG. And he was like, I think that's a really, really horrible decision for you. Like, I understand you want to change. 
let's change some of the jobs that you're doing here, but stay here and let's change some of the stuff that you're doing. And eventually a client asked me to go and work in-house for them and set up their legal function. And so I went and did that and it was biotech, very random, um, but in a really beautiful office in Mayfair. So, you know, cool. Uh, that was cool. What is Mayfair? Wow. Um, so that was awesome. Um, and then... Um, uh, one of the lawyers that I used to work for called me and he was like, listen, there's this young guy and he's built this product and they really, really need a lawyer. And I think you'd be amazing at it. And he is, it's a dating website. And I was like, no, gross. And what will my mum say? And this is like totally not how I saw life going. And what year was this, can I ask? Yes, so this was um, just the very beginning of 2010. So totally different landscape. So it was completely new, that kind of style and dating things. No one was doing it. I mean, the only thing that was dating at the time was like a Guardian Soulmates or Match.com or eHarmony. It was a totally different world. And by the way, if your friends were using those sites, you were a bit like... So what is amazing how quickly we kind of get used to those norm the norms in society that i mean now dating of course, is just kind totally of the fine. obvious normal. thing everybody's meeting yeah. on dating apps it, 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 yes and I, yes and i do want to get onto that 100% but i i definitely there was a there was a huge kind of thing in the past and i remember when i was at school my my matron weirdly uh, found someone on I didn't, I didn't date. <laughs> she was very pretty and it was different, a big mistake of my housemaster. Yeah. yeah, that's a different show. Yeah. But she was on a, a dating website and exactly that was a bit like, hang on, wait, you're meeting someone on the internet? That's super weird. weird. But I still definitely think there is... I heard a statistic that apparently one in three people uh, meet via certain via sort of social media now, or maybe it's two in three people, something like that. So it's definitely more than anyone, right? But however, there is still a little bit of... I don't know what is it. How do I explain this in in a? In a my, I have a very good friend uh, called called Joel Domit who uh, met his girlfriend on social media and apps and things like that. And he was very good about it. He didn't want that to be his story. How he met his now wife. He did, mm-hmm. but then he went, "Nope, that is our story." And he he was proud of it in the end. But at the beginning, I think people are still a bit like, oh, God, I didn't meet you naturally. And that's an issue for some reason. For sure. I mean, now I think it ha- I, I think the narrative has changed again. I think that people are actually proud of it. You know, when I look at things and you see people and they're like, this is our bumble baby or whatever it is. I think people like celebrate it. But definitely at the time, I remember when people would have a cover story. So let's not say we used Tinder. Let's say that we did X, Y, Z. And you'd be like, okay, this is really weird. Um, <laughs> For sure. Um, so that I remember that being the case. But but before all of that, I, I remember meeting people that you didn't know on a website because it was pre-app was super weird, right? That was, it was it was new. It felt uncomfortable. And Badoo, which was the the website, was totally different because it wasn't about serious dating either. It wasn't about find your love. It was about casual encounters, and that was something that no one was talking about, right? And I was like. This is basically like hookup, and yeah. I don't know how to explain that to my mom. And but fifty-two million people at the time were using it, and I was like, "This is mad." So this I've kind of op- was this it. kind of the first point that opened your eyes to kind of that startup exactly. tech whole space. Exactly okay. that. So I went to meet the founder, and he was this young Russian guy called Andre, and um, 
you know, he was really unusual. He he isn't still unusual, but he was an unusual guy. And the business was just blowing my mind. I'd never heard of this website before. I could see all of these millions of you people using it, and it was making a lot of money. How many people were there at the time when you working there? Twenty. Yeah. Okay. So like twenty guys in an office in Soho, in a really rough street in Soho, by the way. Fifty-two million 52 users million. and twenty people working for it. Yeah. I mean, how do you manage that? Right, and there was a small office in Moscow, actually, but 20 people in the London office, um, probably around 50 in Moscow, so maybe 70 people, but 20 to my, like, visibility at that point. So, Michelle, how, wait, I just want to ask a question. How many, so how many active users are there on Bumble, would you guess? I think it's around 50 million now. Okay, so it's around 50 million. And how many, how many people work for Bumble? Um... Would you say? I think in Austin, I think it must be, is it topping like 70 people in Austin now? So 70 people, there you go. So, so that's to say, so it's, you know, you've got 20 people working for this one, which yeah. is a brand new thing on a yeah. website, which is probably harder to kind of do and things like that. And then, so you've got, you know, sort of triple the amount of people working for Bumble than it was for Badoo. So what kind of excited you to go and start working there? I think that, I had never seen an environment like it before. I had never been in a world where there were 20 young guys sitting in an office, drinking Red Bull, coding, eating hula hoops. I'd never seen anything like it. I'd been in offices. I'd been working in, you know, in a corporate environment. (laughs) I'd been working in, like, a corporate environment. These young guys with their headphones on and, you know, completely, like, zoned into what they were doing... Wow. And what were the problems? What what do they need you for at the time? <clears throat> so they were growing like crazy. Um, they were making a lot of money and they needed a structure. So they had to kind of structure it because the way they were making money um, was through um, monetizing the users. It was a freemium model, which means that users pay for certain premium features. And um, they were using um, entities called aggregators to collect the, the funds effectively so they would have aggregators so it's really dull but no it's not it's, I promise you it's interesting because also which we're going to get into is the fact that um, women in tech and that kind of scenario as well so it is really interesting so do continue okay so they would have these aggregators so the way it would effectively work is that there would be um, uh, telecom com- um, companies and say you let's use this as an example it's not the right example but Say you have Vodafone and T-Mobile and EE and some others. And then you would have an aggregator who would aggregate all the payments that you were due from the, in a certain area, and then they would take their cut, and then you would get that kind of lump sum. Now imagine that you've got that globally, and you've got all of these different aggregators. I walked in, there was a pile of contracts on a desk, and they were like, we're not really sure what to do with that. Literally a pile. A, a genuinely, like a hard copy. Oh. <laughs> and I was like... Right. What, what is what's an aggregator? And then you have to go and speak to people. And you know, as actually as the lawyer, anyway, I became obsessed and fascinated by it. And as the lawyer, you can ask loads of stupid questions, and everyone feels sorry for you because they have to tell you because a you're the lawyer, and b like you. Why would you know? So what was quite interesting is that so you you kind of uh, because you went to Badoo and did that that was your studying course that was you learning because it, they had not really any idea what to do. You then. Uh, and I think the biggest, you know, the biggest advantage of having your own startup, I honestly, there's loads of, you know, 
uh, great attractions. But the, one of the biggest things is that the, what you learn, like it's just priceless what you can learn, the, the mistakes, the failures, the successes, the things you would change. And you do that building up. So the advantage of going into a business like Badoo from the beginning where they just had coders and no idea really what they were doing, you just learned everything. It was amazing. I got to speak to the founder. You know, bearing in mind when you come from a big corporate world, you don't speak to the CEO. You don't just hang out with the, like, the managing partner. Yeah. And if you do see the managing partner, you're like, hi. <clears throat> Hi. Um, so th- to, to be hanging out with the founder and be like, so what does this mean? Why are you doing that? What does, you know, what are you planning? And I also I'm obviously quite nosy. So but at the time, was questions. that uh, a conscious step to go and go, okay, well, I'm going to go and put myself in this kind of difficult environment to learn? Or was it just another kind of progression towards... Like you said, changing every role every six months was kind of was learn something like new that. and a challenge. Yeah, it was a bit more like a progression. This time I was going to go in as like sole counsel and I could build a team. Yeah. So for me, that was like, right, I've never built Another a team step. before. Right. So yeah. that was cool. I was going to get to hire. So, okay, so I'll do that because then I get to learn that part. And But um, you didn't necessarily know what the step after that no, I absolutely no idea. And more importantly than that, I had I really, really genuinely did not fully understand the landscape. You know, I, there was so much I had to learn. But Facebook was like bubbling under as kind of something very, very cool mm-hmm. um, in terms of a place to work. And so I was like, well, maybe this is a bit like Facebook, but in London. <laughs> maybe that's what this is. Um, and then I could get to go and like speak to Facebook and I got to go to Facebook's office and like meet people there and we would talk about policy and all these kind of things. So it just became this evolving, make your own role. Do you know what's so funny? Um, and I think, again, this relates to so many people. Uh, everyone, as a child, right, you look at, as a kid, you look up at everyone in businesses, whether they are any industry doesn't matter and there you go well they're doing that they must be an expert at it and you think that's the case but in fact in reality you you're basically treading water until you can learn to you know stand up in in the water whatever you're doing that metaphor was odd (laughs) you know what i mean yeah that's it there you go treading water until you can learn to swim and that's what happens everyone seems to go into unless you have been trained for seven years as a doctor or an architect you know architects but these kind of traditional kind of jobs you kind of learn on your feet as you go and I think that's what a lot of people don't realize is you don't have to be an expert in these areas you just have to have the will and desire to want to learn and be a part of it right totally and 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 I suppose there was one thing that I had never ever experienced in my growing up and in my kind of career and um and I'm still kind of getting to grips with it now but it's really really important touching on that which is it's okay to get things wrong and to fail because you'll learn the best kind of lessons will come from it you won't do it again or you'll know how to do it smarter quicker whatever it might be and then you can can go and have another go and I never ever ever wanted to fail I had this huge fear of it like you know got to get grades got to be the best got to be you know get the top marks got to get into the right school or whatever it is and actually um that's not right. And if you speak to any engineer and you tell them that you're scared of getting something wrong, they look at you like, what? Because, of course, that's how you get to the right answer. You have to, like, make the mistake. Trial and error. Yeah. It's so funny. I heard, uh, yeah, if you, if you don't make mistakes, you're never going to do anything ordinary. And, and I, I think, is that the saying? 
I don't know. But... I think it is. Or maybe you will You're only do something only... ordinary. Sorry, you will only do something ordinary if you make mistakes. Is that the same? If you don't make mistakes. If you don't make mistakes. <laughs> there we go. I'm just making up things yeah. as we go along. But it's so true. And I think this is the, you know, a huge point. Um, is that, you know, I know myself, I've made huge mistakes, whether that's in love or in business or in loads of different places. And Ed is exactly the same, you know, building Candy Kittens, we made, I mean, every day we're making a new mistake and we still are. If you had to pinpoint, I know it's hard, if you had to pinpoint one time, which is your biggest mistake that you think you made, do you know what it is? Oh gosh. I mean, genuinely, I do make mistakes every day and I'm, I'm you know, some are worse than others. Um, I suppose there are there are mistakes that I made which hurt me, and I think that's difficult to deal with because um, there's there's you, and then there's your family, personal life, and then there's your business life, and and sometimes the two are exactly the same person, but sometimes they're not, and when they cross, that can create like blurred lines and blurred boundaries, and then you know, if someone lets you down or behaves in a way that you don't like or maybe you behave in a way that they don't like, whichever it may be, um, and that boundary has been blurred or or crossed and, and there is an element of feeling let down, it's, for me, it was worse that it was personal and business. Um, and I, I found that extremely difficult. It knocked me sideways, actually. Jamie, bad news. That is the end of part one. What? I know, I know. We got there so quick, but don't fear. Part two is coming right up, just one click away. So everybody that's listening, just go over and click part two. Thank you so much for listening. Honestly, it really does mean a huge amount. And we also hope today's podcast has inspired you to move towards your dream or passion. Now, if you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a comment. And if you'd like to get in touch, please email us at move at moveclub.co.uk or follow us on Instagram at moveclub. Until next time, this is Move. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.